It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, March thirteenth, two 2014. Thank you for com- coming to the program tonight and joining us, and we'll look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And if you're watching our video feed tonight to the bottom of your video window, you can sign in and chat with other listeners tonight. And if you are watching our video feed, you can tell my father, Greg Wynn, is not here. But in his spot, uh, a couple of uh, gentlemen have come to help me with the discussion. Monty Overton is here. Monty, welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be here. Most of the time, you're on the other side of the controls tonight. Jeff is behind the controls tonight. Jeff, thank you for coming. And uh, Anthony's here as well. Anthony, you uh, usually are behind the controls. Right, yeah. It's, uh, it's been a little while since I've been behind the desk here, so I uh, appreciate the invitation. Look, so did we get upgraded or are we being punished? Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that is, uh, that's still up for discussion. You'll, we can answer that at the end of the program. But don't complain about it. I won't. Well, you're going to talk tonight about the sin of murmuring. And uh, it is, I think, uh, perhaps an overlooked sin, Bonnie. I think it is because you hear a lot of people griping and complaining quite often, but they do it sort of in a roundabout way under their breath. They don't want to be real open with their complaints, but they still are murmuring about things when for various and assorted reasons, and we need to avoid that at all costs. Uh, I think so, and uh, Anthony, we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't use our mouth for some other things like lying or uh, profanities or so forth. We'd be on guard against that, but this one may be one that slips up on us if we're not careful. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to use a term I think kind of slips under the radar. I don't think we... I think we're so used to kind of complaining and griping. Uh, I don't know if it's a cultural thing or what, but I think we do it and we don't think about it. I'm, I mean, I know when when uh, you told me what the topic was tonight, I was like, you know, I haven't thought about that in a while. You know, I haven't examined myself in that regard to, to, to think about whether I'm, I'm guilty of this. So uh, I do think it's something that can go unnoticed. All right, so hopefully tonight's program will maybe nothing else than a reminder uh, that you need to maybe think about your attitude and, uh, and the things that you say uh, with regard to your circumstances. So we'll look forward to the discussion tonight. Earlier today, we sent out some questions, five of them for your consideration. How would you prove that murmuring is a sin? Is it even a sin? Have you disagree with us that it's a sin? How would you prove or disprove that murmuring is a sin? Number two, in what circumstances are we tempted to murmur? Number three, does murmuring reveal any other seek sins that may be present in our lives? This may be one of those... Uh, uh, sort of like the canary in the mine shaft there, uh, Monty, uh, maybe an, an indicator sin. Yeah, I believe that's correct because a lot of the things that we'll talk about tonight, if our attitude's right about them, then we wouldn't be murmuring. We'd be either accepting the circumstances they are because we can't do anything about them, or rather than griping and complaining and murmuring about things, we'd be doing what we can to fix the situation, which I believe is what we're taught to do. All right, let's save some of that soap, though, until we get number three. <laughs> number four, what effect, if any, does murmuring have on those around us? I think, Anthony, will find out that uh, we may be encouraging others to sin if we're engaged in murmuring. And number five, which uh, will be the, uh, the capstone of the discussion tonight and uh, perhaps the most important dis- part of the discussion, how can we prevent murmuring? Because if it is, in fact, a sin, then we definitely want to prevent it in our lives. And so we'll look forward to hearing from you on those Questions tonight or any comments you might have about murmuring, 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. Uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you on the program. I talked with some guys earlier this week uh, that uh, were uh, they're listening to the virtual Bible study as they commute back and forth to work. One guy has an hour commute. Another has an hour and 20-minute commute, and so they're able to get a program in going and coming. So appreciate that, and hopefully we do not are not the cause of any traffic accidents. At least their drive time's not wasted. 
Right. That's up for discussion too, Monty. And um, <laughs> but uh, and uh, you know they might want something that keeps them from falling asleep because we've heard from some folks that they use the virtual Bible study to fall asleep. So huh. it may be a deadly combination. We'll have to find out. Well, if that's what, if that's how it works for them, they don't need to be doing it listening while they're driving. <laughs> if you listen to us while you drive, let us know. We'd like to hear from you, or maybe you just let us know how you found us, how you where when you, when and where you listen to us, and uh, we'd like to hear from you. Just drop us a line. And let us know that you're out there. Questions at collegeview.com. All right, to the sin of murmuring. Is it a sin? Anthony? Well, I think we can pretty clearly um, tell from the Scriptures that it is. Um, even if we just look straight to the New Testament, which is you know our, uh, our law, if you will, as Christians, uh, there's a couple, at least a couple of plain statements in the New Testament that clearly condemn it. All right. Um, looking at, for example, Philippians chapter 2. Uh, verse 14 and 15, do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So, again, do all things without murmurings and disputings. So that's all things. So that's a pretty broad statement. Right. So, and, again, I think this is one that, you know, that we just tend to kind of look over. We just kind of gloss over this from time to time. But yeah. it's there. All right. And uh, in Jude, uh, verse 15 beginning, we read a, a, a description of some terrible people. And notice one of their characteristics in Jude, uh, verse 15 beginning, or at verse 14. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of, their, of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in, their ungodly, in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. But notice now. These are grumblers. Some trans- versions translate that murmurers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, with and with, uh, and they uh, mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. These people are grumblers and complainers, uh, Monty, or murmurers and complainers, terrible folks that God is going to take, or Jesus is going to uh, execute judgment against. You know, obviously this problem of murmuring must be something really serious. A lot of people, I think, would tend to just gloss it over and, you know, well, I didn't kill anybody or I haven't committed adultery. But it was it's a serious enough thing in Jude that says Jesus is going to come and execute judgments against those people that are guilty of doing this. So it's something we need to really be examining in our life to make sure we're not guilty of it. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. It may say it's a sin, but you don't know how bad I've got it, Anthony. Right, yeah, I think that's kind of... I mean, if you we, were in my shape, you probably would complain and maybe God will overlook that. Right, we like to sort of justify and make excuses for why, you know, why are we doing this? It's because it's just so hard, but there's no qualifications, there's right. no ifs. It's, it's a blanket condemnation, right. and uh, so uh, we, if it uh, would say that, you know, some of those other things in there, maybe, uh, you know, uh, disputings, well, we can, I can dispute with you, Anthony, if you make me really mad. No, no, there's no qualifiers there. No conditions, uh, so we need to be avoiding it. Well, when you think about it and you say, well, but you don't realize how bad I've got it. Well, in Philippians 2 and verse 14, it says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. So no matter how bad I've got it, whatever it is I'm going through, I'm, that's part of all things, <laughs> yes. and I need to be doing it without murmurings and disputings. All right. Uh, let us know, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. Chris in the U.K. said, when I got this week's questions, I thought, it was nothing much, but then I read First uh, Corinthians chapter ten, verse ten. Neither murmur ye; some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. So it's something that can attract God's judgment, but is it sin? We can complain about unrighteousness and injustice, but murmuring isn't uh, that. Is it? Uh, um, it is to grumble, express discontent. You could say it's the selfish whining that is not going my way, and that would be sin. In that, uh, in that it questions God's goodness or gracious actions towards us, that he's holding back something, and to others that they don't deserve that, like children looking at their dinner plate disapprovingly, ignoring the fact uh, he is getting it for nothing. And then uh, uh, when the sibling's plate comes, he's got more pie than me, uh, which could be coveting, he says. So, uh, so he's saying that we can do it in lots of different stages of our life, but he says, yes, it would be a sin uh, to go against, uh, to complain against God and what he's given us. Uh, Ramona in Texas has chimed in. Thank you for emailing Ramona. Ramona says, just by definition, uh, uh, murmuring is an indistinct, whispered, or confidential complaint. A mutter to complain in low mumbling tones gr- or grumble. 
Christians can be murmurers and complainers. They can see nothing good. Everything is bad. Their life is miserable, and they want to make it that way for everyone else. Ever know anyone like that, Anthony? Yeah, unfortunately, I have. We, you know, we kind of think of what isn't it Eeyore and the uh, yeah. Winnie the Pooh thing. You knew him? I didn't. I've known a few. Oh, okay, you know, okay. so right. but you know, they, everything's blue and gloomy and glum and um, and like uh, Ramona says, that's that rubs off on everybody else. It's kind of contagious. So all right, uh, she says, like the parable of the laborers in the vineyard in Matthew twenty verses one through sixteen, they murmured because they had worked all day, while others who had worked for a much shorter period received the same wages. They received their just due, but they still murmured. Uh, that may be an indication that, uh, Monty, we may think we deserve a little bit better. That may be one of those other sins that we need to think about. I hope I don't get what I deserve. Yeah, that's right. But sometimes we, we think, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't deserve all this. Uh, the scribes and Pharisees murmured against the disciples of Jesus because they ate and drank with publicans and sinners, but they were really striking out at Jesus in Luke 5, verses 29 through 32. They did not care that the publicans and sinners needed Jesus. They were only concerned with their personal agenda. The Jews murmured about Jesus because he said he was the bread of life, John 6, 41. Instead of investigating his claim in an effort to know the truth, they murmured. She says, gripe, gripe, gripe. Murmuring is a sin. She references uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Again, do all things without complaining and disputing. She references also 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. Now, that's one we didn't have on our list, but it says be hospitable to one another without grumbling. What do you think about that? You know, sometimes people are hospitable, but they complain about it. Well, I had so-and-so over for supper, and he ate the last of the beans, and he got more of the casserole than anybody else. And uh, That's why we don't have you over, money. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they, they complain about it. They've they done what they felt like they should have done, but they complain about it constantly. So rather than being glad that they had somebody over to share a meal with them, they grumble about they sit down too hard in a chair. I mean, just you go through a whole list of things that they find to complain about rather than being appreciative of the fact that they were able to be hospitable, that God had blessed them with enough prosperity to be able to do it. Yeah, all right. So that's an interesting one. So so that's uh, that's some, an area where we could grumble. Hadn't thought about that. And she says it causes one to perish. She references that 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10 passage. And so thank you, Ramona, for your, your submittal tonight. And Roger in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, says, sadly, murmuring is one of the most prevalent sins among some brethren. Those who would never think of committing adultery or murder are guilty of this sin. Some who have the highest morals adhere most closely to doctrine and are most liberal in their giving negate all the good things they do by whining. Discontent causes murmuring. Christians are taught to be content with necessities uh, that they have and their lot and God's way. And so he says that, uh, and he goes on to list some of those sins. We'll get to those in a minute. But Roger says, that it is one of those, uh, well, it's maybe one of those sleeper sins, one of those sins that uh, sneaks up on us, and we could be guilty of it before we realize what's going on. So appreciate that from Roger tonight. All right, well, we're going to take a break. When we get back, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that several of our listeners have suggested tonight, says, Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. That's a reference back to the Old Testament, to the children of Israel. And, Anthony, they were notorious murmurers. Yes. And, uh, and well, God had a hard time stomaching that. Right. And he destroyed some of them for it. And we want to look back to their example when we get back from the break of some things that they murmured about, uh, some things things that their murmuring revealed and some uh, effects of their murmuring. We're going to examine that on the other side of the break. But let us know your thoughts on the program tonight. In what circumstances are we tempted to murmur? Guest 464 before the break says, can you apply James chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, or 1, th- 1 through 12, James 3, 1 through 12, uh, to murmuring? He sa- uh, or he or she says, I see these scriptures as commands. So James chapter 3 Beginning in verse 1, my brethren, not, that not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Um, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able to bribe the whole body. Uh, and so it goes on and talks about uh, the, the tongue there and how that uh, we need to control our tongue. Uh, I think you definitely can apply James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 there uh, to that, Anthony. And then this is uh, this is one of those challenges uh, so that uh, we cannot uh, tame the tongue. In James chapter 3, verse 8, uh, no man can tame the tongue. 
can't tame it. In other words, we're going to have to keep on guard against the sin of murmuring. We can't control our tongue. James chapter 3 is not saying you, don't, you can't control your tongue, so don't worry about it. But it's saying you're not going to be able to tame it. In other words, you're going to have to constantly come back and check what you're saying. Right, and I mean, that's how murmuring takes place is, you know, through what we say. I mean, we can we can display an attitude of discontent and complaining sort of through our actions and through our maybe body language, but the primary, th- you know, mode is, is through our mouth. So this would certainly fall in that category. All right, we might ask our listeners in the chat room, do you have to speak it for it to be murmuring? And I think we learned a little bit about that. Uh, get back from the break as well so let's take a break get your thoughts on the other side don't go anywhere the virtual bible study will continue right after this did you hear what they just said call in during this break and let everyone know what you think the virtual bible study continues after this announcement tonight on channel 8 wsin it's tv like you've never seen it before Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. Here's some quotes worth pondering. People do odd things to get even. The first step in training a child in the way he should go is go that way yourself. Men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself, but because it contradicts them. Those who give the most are the least concerned about returns. Man, wish I'd said that. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about murmuring and complaining. It is clearly a sin. It is a sin that uh, that will condemn our souls to hell. It is a sin that will destroy us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. That's a reference to the Old Testament. Monty, we could really cite numerous places where uh, they, the Israelites murmured against God. Yeah, when we look through the, the Old Testament, when we look at the in the book of Exodus, where the children of Israel had left Egypt as God had, had taken them out of Egypt and rescued them from slavery, they over and over and over again was constantly complaining about everything they could possibly find to complain about. You would think if you and your ancestors for about 400 or 450 years or so had been slaves in a foreign land and somebody come along and rescued you and took you out of that, you'd be happy to starve to death in a wilderness rather than be a slave. I, I mean, that's the way it seems to me. Yeah. But these people complained about everything. You could, oh, God as, didn't feed them enough. He fed them too much. He didn't give them enough water. They had to walk to, I mean, everything you can imagine to complain about, they were grumbling They about were it. almost murmuring as soon as they stepped foot out of Egypt. Uh, Pretty much. Started. It is amazing. Uh, and I, I'm afraid, Anthony, it may show some of our, our human tendencies uh, towards this sin. Right. I mean, it, it, for these, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, as we say. When we go back and look at their at this account of the Israelites, it's so easy for us to say, I can't believe, you know, that they did this. I mean, they were brought out of slavery. They've had all these miracles performed. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, they've they saw the Egyptian army, uh, you know, defeated and you know, drown in the in the sea and all of these things. Yet they just they couldn't. They were so – it makes them seem very self-centered and selfish and, and honestly immature. It makes them seem, you know, yeah. what we might think of as immature. So it, you know, it lets us know that nobody really is immune to this. You know, even these people who were God's favored people, they had all these things done for them. They were completely cared for. God promised them, if you do what I tell you to do, I'll take care of you. But they just couldn't get over this. All right. Well, I've, here's a few of the things that they, they complained about. They complained about their food. 
Uh, remember, they they thought they remembered how well they had it in Egypt. Uh, God sent a manna, and then they complained about that. They complained about not having enough to drink, and God uh, provided for them. Then they complained about. Uh, remember, the, the spies went into Egypt, into the Promised Land, came back and said how hard it was going to be, and they complained about that, and they they murmured about that. Uh, and then, if you'll remember Numbers chapter 16, where they murmured against the authority of Moses and Aaron. So, uh, uh, you know, that's that's just a sampling uh, of the murmuring that was going on with the children of Israel. You know, we we see if we're objective about it, a lot of times in our life today, we complain about a lot of those same things. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the first things I, as I was looking at Exodus over in chapter 14, seemed like one of the first things they complain about is they've been taken out of the Egypt and they're up to the Red Sea. And here comes Pharaoh's armies. And in Exodus 14, verse 11, says, Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Yeah. Why have you dealt with us so to bring us up out of Egypt? So, I mean, they hadn't been out of slavery no time, and they're already griping about it. And and it, as it just goes on. But, you know, a lot of times as Christians, we might be that way. We maybe are new, new Christians, and first thing we want to do is start complaining about things. You know, we, we, we forget that we've been rescued from slavery to, slin, to sin and, and we're raised to walk a new life and we've got the hope of salvation and we want to start griping about things here at the church. Unbelievable. Yep. Right. All right. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, beginning of verse 26, Monty or Anthony, you want to read that? Uh, there's a, Moses is recounting the... Uh, one twenty-six. Yeah, Deuteronomy one twenty-six through thirty-eight. Uh, Moses okay. is uh, recounting some of the well, some of the, the the bad experiences he'd had with the children of Israel, their their poor behavior and and, and uh, response to God. In Deuteronomy chapter one, beginning verse twenty-six, he's going to recount some of this uh, this murmuring. Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God, and you complained in your tents and said, "Because the Lord hates us, He has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying that people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. Then I said to you, Do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God, who goes before you, He will fight for you according to all He did for you in Egypt before your eyes." And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son in all, in all the way that you went until you came to this place. How much further do you want me to go? Go down to uh, verse 30. Go ahead and read verse 33. Okay. <clears throat> down to verse Yet for all that you did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search out a place for you, to pitch your tents, and to show you the way that you should go in the fire by night and in the cloud by day. All right, so Moses is saying these children were of Israel were very rebellious, and part of their rebellion uh, was their murmuring. Some interesting observations about uh, murmuring here. Uh, verse 26, Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God and complained in your tents. We talked about the fact that uh, murmuring could be done uh, is sort of a under-your-breath kind of thing. The children of Israel were murmuring privately here. It wasn't uh, they, it wasn't a big uh, town hall kind of meeting where they started uh, complaining against Moses. It was sort of a private thing. Yeah. So you don't have. So in other words, what you're saying is you don't have to stir up a riot no. to be guilty of this. You can be guilty of it on a private individual. Just basis. you could you could just complain to your wife right. or complain to your kids or. You know, it might be that we we go home from worship and uh, we go home and gripe about the lesson that the preacher brought today or that the Sunday school teacher, well, he didn't present it well. I, he should have said this or he yep. should have done that. Or maybe the elders have informed us of a decision during the service, you know, and made an announcement about something. And we go home and we gripe about the elders. Now, we don't do it to their face and we don't do it in public. But we'll go home, like you said, and complain to the wife. Well, it sets a really bad example because the kids hear us doing that. Yeah. Or if right. maybe the kids are already grown or gone and you don't have any, but... You go home griping, and the, well, the wife hears you doing it. So you're leading her in that same way. Right. So it's really a bad thing. It's right. really terrible. All right, and I would also uh, propose that you don't have to vocalize these thoughts, uh, Monty, for them to, to be just as sinful. And we can be we can murmur in our own minds about mm -hmm. uh, the things that God's given us. Yeah, the attitudes there, whether we say the words out loud or or, or not, 
we still have that murmur and attitude. So it's still a sin in our hearts whether anybody else knows about it or not. All right. Okay. And uh, also we learn from this passage in uh, verses 26 and 27 of Deuteronomy chapter 1 that it's a sin against God. You rebelled against the commandment of your Lord your God and complained in your hearts. All right, complaining your tents. It, it, it's, it's, it's against God, or Anthony. We need to understand that. Right, and I think the reason seems like to me is because God has given us all that we need. And God, uh, you know, as he promised the Israelites that he would take care of them, he's promised us the same thing in the New Testament. And so if if we're complaining about that, you know, it's, it's sort of a, a slap in the face to God. So it's definitely a sin against him, whether or not we feel like we're having any um, detrimental impact on others around us, it's still a sin towards it God. It is a sin against God, and uh, it is a rebellion against God. It, it is an indicator of this rebellious heart. They had rebelled against the Lord of God, and as a result, they were murmuring. You know, and when you think about all that God had done for them and the nations that they'd already conquered and the example they had of how God had just really devastated Egypt, which at that t- up until that time was probably the most powerful nation in the world. Yeah, and, and God had just plundered them and wiped them out. You wouldn't think these few giants that was living in the promised land or these fortified cities. I mean, God's done destroyed a whole mighty nation. What's a few more cities to go? I mean, it's not a big trick for God. No, it they should have known that. They should have not. They should have known. Them. That's right. And, you know, we can also look at this, this murmuring and show that it does show that the children of Israel didn't understand uh, how how God, what God's plan was for them. Uh, they uh, in verse 27 they complained and said or murmured and said because the Lord hates us he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. They didn't understand what God's plan was, and when we murmur and complain, I think it's indication that we don't understand what God's plan for us is as well. In James chapter one, uh, the the, uh, the the familiar passage of uh, G- James telling us that uh, we should uh, count it all joy. When we fall into various trials, verse 2 of James chapter 1, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Um, if we understood how God expects this to work in our lives, he expects us to have to go through some difficult times. And rather than murmuring and complaining about it, James tells us to count it all joy. Right, and I think um, is in Hebrews, if I'm not mistaken, that you know it tells us that God chastens those that He loves, like a father, you know, um, has to punish his, his child not out of hatred, but out of out of love, uh, so that that child can learn and and can grow. So um, we're going to face hard times, and we shouldn't expect. You know, the Bible doesn't promise uh, Christians, you know. Um, you know, roses, you know, a walk in the rose garden for our lives. There's going to be hard times. So, let's go on and look in Deuteronomy chapter one at uh, verse. Uh, let's see here, in verse 28, and you see some other things about murmuring. Murmuring shows that uh, uh, shows that uh, we're going to be discouraging others. If you look at that, uh, they had convinced as a result of their murmuring. They had said, "Where where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts." Uh, the people are greater, by saying that people are greater and taller than we, and the cities are fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Amicon there. So uh, murmuring will be a discouragement to others. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But we see the children of Israel, as a result of their murmuring, had been a discouragement to others. A couple more things quickly from Deuteronomy chapter 1. When we murmur, we fail to realize uh, and, and recognize the way that God has has helped us in the past. Children of Israel... As you mentioned, Bonnie, they had seen all the wonderful things that God had done for them in Egypt, and they're complaining, showing us that they didn't realize that God had provided for them in the past. When we're faced with difficult circumstances and we murmur about them, indicates that we've forgotten how God's helped us in the past as well. You know, if we look around and and are honest about it, we have to realize that God has done so much for us. I mean, we we live, we right here, we live in the most proper in the most prosperous time, probably in the most prosperous nation that's ever lived. Uh, in the coldest that it got this winter, my house was still warm. Yeah, yes, it the, was. In the hottest it got in the summer, my house stays in, at a comfortable temperature. Yeah, the roof doesn't leak. I, I've got food, and obviously, when you look at me, I haven't wasted away to nothing for lack of nourishment. God has taken care of me bountifully in so many ways I can't even comprehend all of them. I mean, when I think about that, and I'm praying. To God and thanking Him for the blessings He's given me, I, I recognize that He's blessed me bountifully and beyond my ability to comprehend them all. There's no way that I can know everything that God's done for me. I, my mind's not capable of grasping all that. 
but I know he's done it. And I need to be thankful for him rather than complaining that because I don't have a brand-new car, mine's several years old or something like that. Yeah, right, right. But I think we can't do both at the same time. If if we're being thankful, we don't have time and we don't have uh, – well, we, we don't have time to be complaining if we're being thankful. And if we're complaining, we don't have time to be thankful. So – it's kind of like you can't you can't do both. They're they're mutually exclusive. one track mind kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, how can you how can you say you're thankful for everything God has done for you, but and then on in the other breath complain about something? Then the two don't don't mix. All right. And uh, finally, we see that uh, this murmuring of the children of Israelites in verse 32 showed that they did not believe in the Lord their God. They didn't. Their faith was uh, was lacking, and that was an indicator uh, in their murmuring. So. Lots of things we can learn from the Israelites. Paul references them in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Reference them to show us that murmuring was terrible for them, and it's just as bad for us today. Lots of lessons we can learn by looking at the Israelites and their murmuring. So let's take a break. When we get back, we want to get to our listeners' responses to what circumstances tempt us to murmur. We'll talk about that, and then we want to get to, to this idea of what other sins may murmuring uh, indicate in our lives and may it reveal in our hearts uh, we'll look at that when we get back from the break we'll get this week's bullet point and go on the other side don't go anywhere the virtual bible study continues right after this you won't want to miss what we talk about next the discussion continues right after these important messages this is greg Gwen with this week's bullet point in ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 the apostle paul wrote Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of god that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand Based upon this passage, we could conclude that the Lord has supplied us with all the necessary things, and he expects us to stand. The New American Standard Version renders this to stand firm. It seems that there are far too many Christians who are unwilling to take a stand. Some will not stand against false doctrine or those who teach it. They have a low tolerance for naming names of those who hold false views. They don't want anyone to specify the errors that are being taught and practiced. They even go to great lengths to find some way to justify their continued fellowship with such false teachers. Their view that they can continue to fellowship those in error is at odds with numerous Bible passages that instruct us to rebuke false teachers and have no company with them. Consider passages like Galatians 1 verses 8 and 9 and 2 John verse 9. These folks need to take a stand. Others will not take a stand on important moral issues. Too many Christians want to be like the worldly people around them. They want to dress, talk, and act like the world. They want their children to be able to do all the worldly things that others do, including the wearing of immodest clothes, mixed swimming, dancing, attending filthy movies, and so forth. They simply do not want to be different from the world. In this, they refuse to take a stand. The spiritual battle with the forces of Satan is real and intense. There is no time to be weak or indecisive. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, it says, Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight. I want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you've not checked out our website, do it now, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You can find archives of almost nine years of the Virtual Bible Study there. And you can find out more about what we believe in practice. Visit our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we welcome you to come and worship with us at your earliest convenience. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9.30, Sunday evenings at 6, and Wednesday evenings at 7. Find out more about our meeting place and location at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We're talking about murmuring on the program tonight and lots of lessons to be learned, lots of things to be on guard against because, uh, well, as uh, guest 464 Referenced in the chat room, James chapter 3 tells us that our tongue can get us into trouble. This is one area where it can. Our attitude can get us into trouble. This is one area of our attitude that we need to be working on. And it is a sin uh, that will condemn us and one that may not be on our radar screen, as you mentioned, Anthony. So we've got to make sure that we're on guard against murmuring. We've talked about the fact that the Israelites were notorious for it, which is some of the lessons from them. And uh, we asked our listeners earlier today, in what circumstances are we tempted to murmur? Because that's important, Monty, as we... We want to avoid this sin. You sort of need to know when are you tempted to commit the sin so you can be on guard at those times especially. Well, it's fine to say don't do it, but if we don't know what it means or how we're getting into this situation, then we're going to have a lot of trouble not doing it. 
Okay. All right. Uh, that's right. Uh, uh, here's what Chris in the U.K. says. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, people are the same around the world and, and some of the same things they may murmur about in the U.K., uh, while they might describe it a little differently than we would, maybe use some different words, but it's the same things we might dis, uh, might murmur about here. He says the role God has given us is one thing we may murmur about. The content of the sermon, the joke the usher made during the notices. Well, we don't have notices, but we have announcements, and I think I understand what he's saying. The standard of singing, uh, and it can get uh, really petty, like our parking space, uh, uh, the color of the carpet, the warmth of the greeting. Uh, he says, "Guess what? The worship is a uh, the worship meeting is not about you. So get over yourself." Uh, outside the church, the job uh, we have, our spouse, the government, the local school, the park, the supermarket, and uh, Britain's favorite, the weather. I guess it's not too sporty over there. Huh? Uh, I uh, yeah. Well, okay. Well, it's not too sporty here sometimes, and it is something we can remember about our sports team or the rotten officiating. So thank you for that, Chris. Appreciate your submittal. And uh, Ramona mentions, uh, she says, when things are going uh, not going the way that we want them, we whine because of discontent. We are taught to be content with necessities, First Timothy chapter 6, 7, and 8, with what we have, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 5, our lot, Philippians 4, verse 11, and God's way, Luke 5, verse 5. So Ramona says, uh, well, you sort of get it in your mind how you think things ought to go, and if they're not going that way, then you gripe and complain about them. So thank you for for that, uh, Ramona. And, uh, well, uh, and, uh, and uh, Ray, um, Roger uh, in Murfreesboro, he says the same thing. When things are not going our way, we tend to murmur. And so appreciate that. All right, so got to be on guard. There'll be certain circumstances, Anthony, that may really be annoying to us or troublesome to us or challenging to us, and those are the times when we need to be careful that we don't murmur. Right. I mean, I think we all can recognize time when we're having hard times, when we're struggling. We need to, we need to try to work on being aware of our, you know, of our situation and, and of our mental state, if you will, to say, you know, I'm struggling. I'm unhappy at this point. I need to try to focus on something positive. I need to, to do something to help somebody else to take the focus off of my problems. I mean, we're all going to have problems in hard times. It's just how we deal with them that makes a difference. So, um, you know, we just need to be prepared. And, you know, when things are going well, you know, we need to be kind of constantly prepping ourselves for that day, that rainy day when they're not going well. And so, you know, I think as Monty made mention of, of being thankful, the more I feel like the more we're thankful, the, the better prepared we are against murmuring, because if we're if we're very well practiced and, and schooled in being thankful, we're we're kind of we're pushing out those negative things out of our minds, so we're going to be less apt to murmur when the bad things do come around. You make a good segue into our next uh, topic. Is go ahead, Mike. Well, I just had a thought. Oh, well, we're going to unsegue now. Go ahead. <laughs> As Anthony said that, when we think about in the book of Job and all that he was going to, and his wife told him, said, "You ought to just curse God and die." Yeah. Rather than agreeing and complaining about the way things is going, Job said, "The Lord gives and the Lord takes away." Blessed be the name of the Lord. So in whatever circumstance we are, we're in, we need to understand that God, and somehow or another, we're being blessed there, even if it's nothing but we're having the opportunity to, to persevere through a test. Yeah. So we need to be thanking God rather than cursing God because things aren't going so good for us. All right. So you still sort of segued into that, Monty. Uh, uh, some things in our heart that uh, – some conditions of our heart that may be revealed by murmuring, and one of those being the fact that we're not thankful. As you mentioned, Monty, we should be thankful in all things. And as you mentioned, Monty, you can't murmur and be thankful at the same time. But the scriptures are very clear in First Thessalonians chapter five, verse eighteen: "In everything, give thanks for this: is the will of God in Christ, of God in Christ Jesus, concerning you." Uh, Ephesians five, verse twenty: "Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ." Now, this may be difficult to do. But if we'll have the correct perspective, we can give thanks for the things we're going through, and um, and so if we're not doing that, then we'll we'll be murmuring, and uh, so that's an indicator that you're not following this command as well if you're murmuring. Right, and it gets back to the James chapter one two you know, as well, um, you know, where we're told to count it all joy when we fall into temptation. So, um, you know, trying to see trying to see 
the positive side of a, of a bad situation and realizing that, you know, it, there may be some good that comes out of it. We may not see it right now, but but God tells us that, you know, all things will work together uh, for good for those that love the Lord. So if we have that right attitude, even in times of, of trial, we can we can find something to be thankful for. All right. Well, guess 464, he's going to hit close to home. He says, what about murmurings in traffic? He says this covers 75% of people, and uh, well, and including uh, guest 464. And I caught myself uh, today as well with that uh, attitude, and we've got to be careful about that. You know, Tuesday night we had to go to the east side of Nashville on I-40, and uh, from about Franklin all the way through and out the other side of Nashville, traffic was slow. They was a wreck and all that thing, kind of sort of thing. And we could have grumbled about it, but I was thinking at least it's still moving. <laughs> well, because there's been times before when you get stuck in something like that and you sit for hours on end. Well, we uh, back during the coldest part of the winter, it seems like there was a bad snowstorm somewhere and traffic was blocked off, and for people there was so many wrecks they couldn't go. And I remember hearing about it that some restaurant, I think a Chick Fil A restaurant, uh, had their employees going and carrying meals to people that were stuck in these traffic jams for like eight or ten hours at a time. Yeah. So the fact that we couldn't drive the speed limit was really inconsequential. We got, we were still moving, and we can find, you know, even though it's slow, we can be thankful that it's still moving. All right, guess four sixty four. Thank you for uh, that comment. Uh, so shows we're not thankful, shows we're not content. You can't be content and murmur at the same time either. Right, and I, I think you know, if, at first blush, you might think, well, those are kind of the same thing: being thankful and being content, and they're pretty closely related. But but really, being content is sort of like the opposite of of being. Uh, covetous or greedy or or really the opposite of having a a complaining type of attitude because again if you're content you're not going to have much to be complaining about um but it's just it's an overall attitude it's like thankfulness we need to have a thankful attitude but we also need to 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 be like paul and say you know whatever state i'm in i'm going to be content with that um and it's it's an attitude that especially in our modern society in this country we're constantly bombarded with advertisements and and you need a new this and they're constantly releasing you know i think i'm kind of getting on a soapbox here but all these companies you know like apple for example every year they put out a new iphone it's just so that so that you they won't can, be content with right and the marketing scheme is that you need this that right. uh, you shouldn't be happy with what you've got, uh, any product. Your life's going to end if you don't have this latest and greatest. Right, because it's not a very successful marketing campaign, Monty, if you convince everybody that uh, they should just be happy with what you've got. Not very capitalism-friendly. No, it isn't. Uh, and um, so we, we need to be aware of that. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, be content. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 8 says, Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. So. Right, and the standards are pro, the the requirements of our life need to be fairly low. Uh, food and raiment's not uh, not all that extreme. Yeah, I, I always find it interesting that you know shelter is not mentioned there. We always talk about food, clothing, and shelter, and that verse doesn't even mention mention shelter. But uh, so right, I think um, yeah. Sometimes uh, I think I've heard Greg say this too, but sometimes you just for me, I, it'd almost be nicer just to get away from all this stuff because there's so much stuff that we don't need. And uh, it's really it's really a, a weight on us. I think as Christians, it's it's a very big challenge. Yes, it is. Well, finally, uh, the things that, that we have prepared, and we'll look at what our listeners have said. It, 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 this shows a lack of faith and trust in God, Monty, because he said for, in Hebrews chapter thirteen, verses five and six, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Well, if we trusted God that he was going to take care of us, he will be our helper, then uh, we ought to check some of that murmuring at the door. You know, kind of along that line, I knew a guy one time that he was in a bank and some people came in with their guns and was robbing the bank. And they told him, uh, do this or that, whatever it was, or we'll shoot you. He said, look, fella, all you're threatening me with is heaven. (laughs) Because he had that trust in God. He felt like he was a Christian. And that he knew he had that hope of heaven. And so if they kill him, the worst they could possibly do is kill him. And if they kill us and we're faithful Christians, we're going to go, we're going to, we've got a home waiting for us in heaven. So 
that really tempers a whole lot of things. They, 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 as it said, don't fear what man's going to do to you because the worst they could possibly do is kill you, right. and then we go to be with Jesus. So, I mean, how bad could that be? That's right. All right, quickly, we'll look at our listeners' responses. Uh, Kristen UK says it may lead to things like discouragement, then think that God doesn't love me, a distraction, then I don't need to go anywhere or, to, or serve my brother and sister today. It may mean fear, uh, then not leading to wisdom, but anger at him and his judgment, self-pity. Self-hatred, overwhelming feeling that who you are doesn't matter, and so do others. So I won't witness of him or attend his church because I can't or don't add anything. Thank you, Chris, for those. Ramona says uh, it it reveals selfishness, and selfish people want their way and do not like it one bit. If they don't get it, therefore they murmur. Uh, and uh, she also references Ephesians 4, 31-32, Let uh, all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ, God in Christ forgave you. And uh, Roger, uh, he says uh, that he references it causes uh, discontent, uh, discontent is, is evident, uh, selfishness is evident, and, um, and so... Um, we need to be aware of those. Thank you for those responses. When we get back from the break, we go to the top of the hour. We're going to have to go fast. What effect, if any, does murmuring have on those that are around us, and how can we prevent murdering? Uh, let us know your thoughts. So we'll look forward to hearing from you. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A newly released study by the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development found that 25.8% of American children live in single-parent homes. That number is particularly troubling when considering that of the 26 other countries surveyed, the average was only 14.9%. Among African Americans, the rate was much worse. 72% of black children grow up in single-parent homes. No-fault divorce and social welfare policies are among the reasons stated for the high rates of single-parent homes in the U.S. That information is via World Magazine. The Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program tonight talking about murmuring and complaining and some of the effects that murmuring and complaining might have on those around us. We talked about the children of Israel. Their murmuring and complaining was contagious. Uh, they all uh, rebelled against God and uh, didn't follow him as they should because of the murmuring that was present there. Uh, and, uh, Bonnie, that can be contagious as well on others. Yeah, when we think about the the children of Israel and the effects that it had on others and some unintended consequences, you might say, because they murmured and complained and wouldn't go into the promised land, as we was reading about earlier, uh, the adults didn't get to go in at all. They all had to suffer and, and died in the wilderness, all except for Joshua and Caleb. And it caused, these people's murmuring caused their children to have to roam around in the wilderness for 40 years yeah. when they could their children could have yeah. been receiving the benefits of that so instead of so we need to be really careful so that we understand that the things we do have consequences that are dealt out on others too it's not just about me yeah jeff you mentioned in the chat room something during the break I haven't heard from you tonight but uh, go ahead um it's also mentioned uh, when we think about um genesis 16 which is talking about um Abram and Sarah, and they're not able to have children. And uh, it comes up about Hagar and um, doing children by that means instead of relying on God. And we can even see it earlier in the case of Adam and uh, Eve, where Adam was complaining about the woman and then eventually the woman complaining about the serpent. Okay. I mean, we see that as a ongoing thing that's always happened. All right. All right. Um and uh, you mentioned that it had an effect on others. We talked about the fact it had an effect on others. Let's look at what our listeners have to say. Uh, Chris in the U.K. says, They will see that God, the God you follow can't be anyone worth knowing cause, because you're running him down to them. When you're murmuring, which you are, in effect, running down God. He says, 
Uh, like, why would I stop at a store that I run down its products and its staff and so on? If you do that about your church, why would anyone go in? Also, it may cause the results that happened in you, happen to them. They will pity themselves or become discouraged in your presence, then follow following on to the other results. So he says it's contagious and it could cause others to not be interested in following God. And Ramona says it can cause division among God's people. Two different views. How many churches have split because of murmuring? Well, uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 9, she says, says God hates one who sows discord among brethren. Ever known of murmuring to cause problems in the church? Quite often. How so? Well, because people are not satisfied with whatever, and they start murmuring about it, and they go and talk to their neighbor, you know, the, the person that sits in the next pew over, and they get that started, and it just spreads and spreads, and the next thing you know, you've got this half of the church hating the other half of the church because they've got differences of opinion about how something should have been handled or whatever. Yeah, I think and elders so it's just, are, it's really bad. Elders are a prime target of mm-hmm. murmuring, you know, the, the decisions that they made on who in the world will make a decision like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, we see the word strife a lot, too, in the New Testament, that we're, we're warned against that. But you can't really have strife, you know, without somebody in there murmuring or complaining. If everybody, you know, if everything was good and everybody was having a proper attitude, you wouldn't really have strife. So, um, you know, certainly the root of a lot of issues. Yeah, that goes back and reminds me of number 16. We talked about the the murmuring against Moses and Aaron's authority. That's mm-hmm. sort of one of those things where that murmuring sort of spread and, and challenged their authority. And so. You know, and, and God has put the elders in a, in a similar type position of what Moses and Aaron were in. The elders are to lead the church in the, the way we should go. And so when we're unhappy with their decisions and we start complaining about it to each other we're not being any different than those people that rebelled against Moses and Aaron and something we need to realize is God put the elders in that position they're in and set up that position for a purpose and we don't have to agree necessarily with what the elders their decisions they make but as long as the decisions they make aren't sinful we do have to submit absolutely and part of that submitting is going along with it and finding ways to support their decision rather than looking for ways to complain about it. All right. Well, you're going to get up on a soapbox there, Monty, and I'm going to want to get there with you, but we better leave that for another discussion. But submission is a big challenge for us, and uh, we've got to make sure that we're practicing that in the church as we should, or else big problems can ensue. But we'll leave it there and say enough for now. Uh, But uh, Roger in Murfreesboro says uh, effects that it may have on those around us. He says, as with other things we do, it tends to spread. We tend to find folks that will listen to our murmuring or gossip. In turn, that individual may feed on the murmuring and begin doing the same, kind of like leaven, it spreads. Thank you, Roger, for, for mentioning it like that. We appreciate that, and certainly we've got to be aware of that. Guest 4 to 64 says, I have a neighbor who murmurs about his life all the time. What can I say to encourage him? He's not religious in any way. What would you? How would you answer guest 464 about the neighbor who murmurs? That's tough. I mean, I think, you know, as a Christian, we have a different... One of the, one of the things that, that I was going to bring up is as a Christian, we should be having a different perspective. Our focus should not be on this physical existence in our lives on this planet it shouldn't be so focused on our problems and everything you know galatians chapter 3 and many other places and jesus taught about it uh in the sermon on the mount saying our focus you know our treasure and our focus should not be on this life so it's hard you know as a christian we have that automatic focus that where it should be as someone who's in the world that's all they're focused on is their their earthly existence and all the problems. So I don't know. That's a tough question. I don't know. To I'd have to ask S four six four. Are you sure that the neighbor's not murmuring because you're his neighbor? Just kidding. No. When you think about it, though, he kind of needs to take a preemptive first strike on that. So when he comes into the neighbor's presence. Find something he can say good about something and, and lead the discussion in that way. You well, know, isn't the weather pretty. Your your, fly, your yard looks really nice. Well, or, you know, find something that he can say good about things to get him lead him in a positive direction and help him to avoid that murmur. Might be the kind of neighbor where you couldn't compliment his yard, though. But but you can find something right. to be positive about. Well, and I would say that uh, if murmuring is contagious, not murmuring would be contagious as yeah. well. Be positive, as you said, Monty, and uh, that will show. And uh, perhaps it is a good opportunity to uh, lead him to the Lord if he sees that you're not. 
in that same frame of mind where you're complaining and murmuring all the time, then maybe he would wonder what's going on in your life that he doesn't have in his. Yeah, I mean, it could be a good opportunity to just, you know, broach the spiritual things. You know, I, I was just thinking uh, when I, my first uh, roommate in college, one day came in and he was just really down, downcast. And he said, you know, nothing's going my way. I, I need to go to church or something like that, you know. I need I need some God or, or some religion, some religion. Right. Yeah. And so now, you know, we kind of might look at that as, oh, you know, he's just you know, he doesn't have the right attitude. But I mean, I think I said something to him like, you know, well, why don't you come with me or something? You know, I mean, that's a that's an opening. Right. That, that might be there. So. Right. right. OK. All right. You know, hopefully eventually if we could have that positive attitude for this person enough, they might get around to asking how is it you always positive about things? My life's falling apart, and you, you always act like things are going your way. Then we can start, well, the reason I have for that is this hope of heaven with Jesus and the sacrifice he made for him. We can lead that into a good discussion about spiritual matters. Okay. Where if we agree with him and we murmur with him, he ain't, there's nothing anything different about us than there is him, so he's got nothing to lead him to a better way. The last question we asked tonight was how can we, what can we do for, to prevent murmuring? And this might answer some of, I guess, 464's questions as well, but maybe encouraging his neighbor along the same lines. Uh, learn to be content. Uh, you can't murmur when you're not when you're content. Uh, we talked about that already. Paul, uh, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, says that uh, he had learned in whatsoever state he was therewith to be content. He wasn't murmuring. He was content. We've got to do that. Uh, we've got to learn in whatever state we're in to be content. And we've got to keep our priorities in the right places. You mentioned, Monty, if, we, if we're focusing on the physical Things don't go right in the physical. If the dishwasher breaks and uh, the dog gets run over, then we could be Didn't tempted. like that dog anyway. Well, you wouldn't murmur, but some might. <laughs> I uh, wouldn't. <laughs> but uh, you, you, if you're focusing on the physical and not on the spiritual, then you'll be tempted to murmur more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 tell us to put our treasures in heaven. Um, and then we need to trust in God. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 we referenced already. If we'll trust in God, it'll be hard for us to murmur because we know that God will never leave us nor forsake us. And uh, we need to count our blessings. If we'll have have a real understanding, Anthony, of how many blessings we do enjoy, it's going to be very hard for us to get in the frame of mind to want to murmur when God's blessed us so much. Right. And I think um, I know one of our elders in particular makes it a habit to mention, to talk about and encourage us to be thankful specifically for specific things. And I think that's a you know that's a good advice if we're you know we if we're just very general in, in our thankfulness or we just kind of give lip service to the idea of being thankful. We've talked about early on in tonight's study about how we need to be thankful. The Bible commands us to be thankful, but if we don't really delve into that and get specific about it, you know, it's of limited value. I'm not saying it's bad, but the more specific we get about just stopping and thinking about all the things that we do have. I mean, even things that might seem silly, like, uh, you know, running water, electricity. I mean, these are things that make our lives very comfortable and convenient that people in some places even today don't have. Uh, so, you know, we've got a lot to be thankful for. All right. Uh, and uh, Chris in the U.K. says along these lines, basically the same things: take what God has given you and be glad. As the song goes, count your many blessings, count them one by one, and it will amaze you what the Lord has done. One exercise you could do is after a prayer of confession, do a prayer where you don't ask for anything, just focusing on who he is and what he has done for you and how he's blessed you. If uh, in him you live and move and have your being, and from him you get every breath you have. For you, the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me, uh, in him, we have hope that that is steadfast and sure, held up in heaven for us, where rust can't destroy or thieves steal. That's just for starters. Thank you, Chris, for that encouragement. Uh, Ramona says, rather, uh, let us be content in life. She references uh, Philippians 4, verse 4, and 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Let us be happy and rejoice always in the Lord. Let us be thankful for our blessings and be characterized by a spirit of gratitude. Let us never be selfish. Let us always regard others better than self and look out for the interest of others. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Let us follow the things which make for peace and let all things be done unto edifying. Romans 14, 19, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking put away you from you with all malice and be ye kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. That verse has come up several times tonight. Thank you, Ramona, for your thoughts. 
And, uh, well, uh, Roger's going to reference that verse as well. Uh, as he uh, says, by growing in our knowledge of God's word and allowing Jesus to dwell in our hearts, we can prevent murmuring. He references Ephesians 4, uh, 29 through 31, and Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights. If we won't murmur and complain, Monty, we're going to be that light that may help convert that neighbor who is uh, murmuring, complaining all the time. And he goes on, verse 15, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Thank you, Roger, for your submittals tonight. Thank you, all of our listeners. A good discussion about, well, I couldn't say it was a bad discussion. I wouldn't want to complain about it. But <laughs> right. it was it was honestly a good discussion. Yeah, I, I think, as I said, the, you know, this is, as we said, this is something that, I think we tend to overlook, you know, we focus on maybe some of the more obvious or the more, you know, bad things that we tend to associate with. But this is something that that we can easily and we do, I'm sure, all too often easily fall into this sin. So it's a good reminder. All right. Thank you for your time tonight, Anthony. Sure. No problem. Monty, thank you for coming tonight. Thank Appreciate you, Jake. your thoughts. Jeff, thank you for coming uh, to be a part of the program. Jeff's on spring break. Jeff, how long till till school's out? Uh, like six weeks. Six more weeks, and he's free. All right. And then we'll look for you being back here this summer, Jeff, and uh, being more regular. But uh, glad that you're here tonight. And we're glad that you joined us on the program. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word in the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.